It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. On a Saturday morning, 56.8 degrees, and that old garden guy is there on the radio again. Oh, honey, turn him off! Turn him off! Uh, no, I want to listen to what he says today, see what he's going to talk about the gardens. <sighs> there are so many people that I meet throughout my, my week who say, I wake up with you every Saturday morning, 6 o'clock, and I think to myself, the off button is right there. It's right there. You just... Push the off button. You don't have to listen to me. I don't know why people wake up at 6 a.m. I wake up early because I have to get here because if I don't, Scott Maxim will come after me with a baseball bat. I know why I'm here. Ashley Frasca would be right behind him with her various uh, implements of destruction, and she would make sure that I got here to the radio station. I'm afraid of my two colleagues here. Ashley and Scott would make sure that I came to the station at 6 o'clock. But why do other people listen to this show? Hmm. It is a mystery to me. It is a straight mystery to me. But there are a number of people who do listen to the show every week. Mostly I say it's the doctors, lawyers, flight attendants, nurses, people going to open up their stores, rabbis occasionally got to get down to the synagogue for their for their early uh, service this morning. Who else are my people? Truck drivers. Oh, my gosh. Truck drivers everywhere who listen to the Lawn and Garden Show from 6 o'clock to about 7 o'clock. And then as the signal starts fading out, the truck drivers over in Alabama and Mississippi, they fade out. They can't listen to me anymore. And then the people who are here in Atlanta waking up, the uh, detectives who are out trying to trying to do a, a stakeout. They'll head out for the stakeouts and hide down behind the dashboard of the cars and call me to ask the garden questions. I've had questions, by the way, th- from people just like that. One guy who called, and he was really quiet. And I said, why are you being so quiet on the radio? He said, because if that lady hears me, she's going to know that I'm on the stakeout. She was doing welfare fraud. And he was trying to follow her down the street. So he was calling me about, about his garden question. So... There's a diverse audience for garden questions. Nonetheless, I have a diverse series of answers for garden questions, and if you would like to pose one to me, all you have to do is dial 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. Dial those 10 magic digits, and you will get your garden question answered. Based on, based on research, based on a little experience in there as well, I have killed more plants than you have, and I figured out why and how I killed those plants and what happened to them to make them so uh, so, so un- uninclined to inhabit my garden, which sometimes I do just to see what will happen. Sometimes I do it out of stupidity. I have a dogwood tree that I'm on my third $100 dogwood tree right now. And by George, I'm going to keep this one alive. This one is going to get watered all summer long. This was not going to get neglected during vacation. This one is going to go. And so far, it looks great. But man, I'm making sure it is watered. One of the best things that I ever bought, and this was for this particular dogwood tree, is a gator bag. And you've probably seen them. You know what they look like. They're just cones. They're plastic bags. They're like a cone. You fit it around the trunk of a young tree. And every week or so, you fill it full of water. And then over the next few days, it trickles water, drip, 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 drip out of the bottom of that bag and keeps the root zone of the new tree wet. 
And for trees that are planted this time of year, that is almost a 100% imperative. You have to water trees planted this time of year because it takes about that long for them to dry out because it's hot during the afternoon. It's 80 degrees this afternoon, windy. Are you kidding? That tree breeze coming through the leaves, it dries out quick as it can be. Two days from now, most trees who are planted this spring will be dry unless they are watered. So that's one of the things to remember as a good gardener, watering consistently, making sure your plants get off on the right foot, particularly the spring-planted trees and spring-planted shrubs. It is imperative that they be watered regularly and uh, keep them healthy and happy. I had a, a great trip this week. I drove over to Memphis, Tennessee. For those of you who are wondering, how far is it in Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Reese? Well, it is five podcasts long. That's how I measure where I'm going, because I listen to a bunch of different podcasts, not about gardening, but about just interesting stuff. And I don't know if any of you listen to podcasts. They are, and I don't know if you know what a podcast is, but basically it's a radio show without the radio. Bottom line, radio show without the radio. And there's one called 99% Invisible that I like a lot, one called The Memory Palace, one called Death, Sex, and Money. <laughs> that is a hot one. Had Lucinda Williams on. Boy, what an interview that was with Lucinda Williams, the country music star. Um, this American Life, of course. Uh, many, many other podcasts to choose from. And I download them onto my little memory stick and stick them in my radio. And boom, boom, boom. Five podcasts later, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. And then overnight, I download six or eight more and I put them in my, on my iPad and connect that to my radio. And boom, boom, boom. Six podcasts later, I'm back in Atlanta. I went to Memphis for the Master Gardener, big Master Gardener Association meeting over there. I had about a hundred and Ooh, 150, I guess, people. And they were nice. They were enthusiastic. I told them all sorts of garden things, and now they're about as smart as we are. So watch out. Memphis, Tennessee, Master Gardeners are coming to get us. At 613, we go to the phones. Who do we go to the phones with first? Let's go down to Spalding County and talk to Miss Nicole. Miss Nicole. Mr. Reeve. Good morning, good morning. It's six and a half hours, Memphis. Well, that's for you with a heavy foot. For me... <laughs> 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 also, I have to confess, Nicole, that I wasn't paying attention. I was listening to my listening to my podcast when I was going to Memphis, and I got to Birmingham, and they got on I sixty five and headed northwest. And I thought I'm just going to go on I sixty five all the way to all the way to Memphis, and I didn't realize you have to get off. You have to get off on seventy eight to go to Memphis. But I was on sixty five headed towards Huntsville or some crazy place like that when I finally thought to look at my directions and oh man, I got to cut cross country here to get over to seventy eight and get to Memphis the right way. So. Yeah, this 7-8 is very popular because it's still a two-lane. Yeah. And many years ago, it was so buzzing of restaurants and things, and, and quiet down now. But there's this man, I don't know if you saw him, on the other side of Birmingham. He's got a big sign. He's there, I don't know when he sleeps. He's there night and days. And he's got a big sign in front of him, and he said, Repent now. Mm. And every time I go by here, I always blow my horn, you know. <laughs> I don't know when this guy sleep. <laughs> well, he's there every day. I swear, I, I just is wondering, you know, well, I've been seeing him for years. I didn't see him coming or going, so maybe he's repented and gone someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> he had a better audience for people who are more likely to repent. I don't know, those Birminghamians don't seem like they're in the repentance mode sometimes. Particularly uh, going on I-20, trying to get off of, get off and onto I-20 there. It's a swirl, a swirl of traffic coming in. Oof. 
So what's but on your mind about gardening this week, Nicole? We in that every day. Um, I, I call them those little devils alongside the road. What little devils? What are you calling devils? Mr. Reed, those climbing roses. Oh, <laughs> roses are big devils. Come on, they're big devils. Yeah, just you cannot get rid of it. If you bring that to your house, you'll be like 15 years just fighting those son of a gun. And that is you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people think, roses, how can a rose ever be bad? Yeah, well, the multiflora rose, Cherokee rose, both are enormous roses that will climb over everything you plant nearby, and they will you'll regret it one day. Just like Nicole says, you'll regret planting those big roses because they will come and eat your garage. Yeah, you cannot get rid of them. Yeah. That and, are, that's and that's the funny thing. They are get ridable, but the way that the government, it is rumored right now, it is rumored right now that the government introduced rose rosette virus to help control the wild multiflora roses, and the rose rosette virus is what escaped in order and is now attacking all of our domestic roses. So. Hopefully that rumor is not true, but uh, it is tough. Ro- the, it's, like, um, it's not like, because it's more like wisteria, that it, it blooms and it's real pretty. And so you think, well, I've got to have one of these, and then you plant it, and then you try to get rid of it, and the sprouts come up everywhere. 20 feet away from the original plant, that rose sprout is going to come up. It's like privet, okay? It smells good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, boy, you don't want to have it. There was a lot of privet going on in 78 towards Memphis, and I smelled it and thought, man, this stuff smells so good. Oh, I hate this stuff. Oh, it smells so good, but I hate this stuff. I mean, it does smell really strong this year because how long did you get no rain, Mr. Reed? I don't know. It's been a while since we haven't had any rain, but the, the, you're right. That has opened the flowers up, and they haven't been knocked off by the rain, and so you can smell that privet just about anywhere you drive, at least along the two- and four-lane highways around Atlanta. Sure can. I have the one that don't drop no seed. Yeah. So you can control a little better, but the flower is a lot bigger, too. Yeah, that one, that the ligustrum that has the bigger leaves and doesn't drop seeds does not seem to me quite as fragrant as the common privet does, the one that's on the fence rows and highways and byways around Griffin. I went down to Griffin, of course, a couple of weeks ago, and it was on the uh, Highway 20 that goes across from I-75. I had privet all along it. Man, lots of privet. Smelled real good, but ooh, I thought there's a lot too much for me to, for me to handle. But your father was pretty uh, handy with privet, isn't he? Oh, my dad used to make me pull privet, and it hadn't made a bit of difference in 40 years at the farm, pulling all that privet and never made a dent in the population there at the farm. Well, Nicole, i got to go. Go smell some privet. It's real pretty outside right now. Enjoy your day. The sun is almost up. It is 618, and you're listening to Lonnie Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jammed. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be a great day for gardening today. Some of the best weather you've had in a long time for digging in the dirt. Sunshine, occasional wind gusts. It's going to be sort of windy this afternoon. Highs in the low 80s. Pretty nice overnight. Expect mostly clear skies. Chilly temperatures, though, down to the <laughs> high 40s. Stay tuned. At last, most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mary. Mary's over in Douglasville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary, good morning. Yes, good morning, Walter. 
I have a, a pink lace-capped hydrangea in a pot. Yeah. Should I plant it now, or should I leave it in the pot until fall? It is not going to be happy in that pot. Okay. You put it in the ground, but the biggest okay. thing, biggest advantage you can do are two, two things that you can do, Mary. One, before you plant it, dig a nice, wide, loosened area of soil in the area where you think it'll do the best, and just loosen the soil about four feet in diameter and just, oh, eight inches deep. It doesn't really matter. Just as deep as your shovel goes, and just loosen the soil really well. Make it nice and loose. And then when you take the hydrangea out of the pot, take a minute to untangle the roots. They go round and round and round inside that pot, and that is not the direction God intended for roots to go. They want to go out. And mm -hmm. you've already made the soil soft for them by tilling like I told you. And if you'll untangle those roots and spread them out into that soil and then backfill everything on top of it, put a little mulch underneath there and water, like I said a while ago, it'll be real pretty. Do I, do I put anything to amend the soil? It wouldn't hurt my feelings to get some just regular soil conditioner or uh, you know, composted cow manure or garden soil or something like that. They call it. They have various names for these things at garden centers. But anything that's organic that you can add about an inch or two on top and dig that in, woof, that's great. Okay. Thank you, Walter. Pretty hydrangea. Lovely hydrangea. It's going to be yes. gorgeous. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for calling, like Mary. I like pink. It's going to be pink. It's going to be terrific, too. Keep that lime on it. Keep it staying pink all the time. 627 and one half at News Talk WSB. In the next half hour, Barbara's going to talk about restoring her Bermuda lawn. Kelvin wants to talk about his fruit tree symptoms. Ooh, and Art in Douglasville has a trunk of a live oak that doesn't quite look right. If you want to add your name to that list, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.35 on a Saturday morning Lawn and Garden Show. Walter Reeves here to help you be more successful in your landscape and to teach you a new word. Ashley and I were just talking during the break, and I described my son's life as peripatetic. She said, like, nomadic? And I said, yeah, pretty much. The guy is all over the place. And so we talked about words for a minute. And I noticed behind the studio here, there are azaleas blooming right now. And I'm just betting to myself that those are a particular kind of azalea, not Encore azalea, not the um, Hino de Geary and all the Carl azaleas they have in the spring. But these are a particular kind of azalea called Satsuki azaleas. And satsuki, there are many different varieties of satsuki azalea, but the name in particular, satsuki, means fifth month because they bloom in May, which I think is just a fascinating little bit of knowledge to know that if you see azaleas blooming right now and they don't have much of a red cast to them, but more in the lavender, pink, white uh, cast to the flowers, more than likely those are satsuki azaleas that bloom in May, the fifth month. That's exactly what they do. Let's go to the phones. We've got uh, Art in Douglasville. Art, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty well, Art. How can I help? Uh, I got a question about a uh, live oak tree down on the coast of Georgia. All right. That's, it's about 20, 22 inches in diameter, and the canopy of the tree looks healthy. It's green, healthy-looking. <clears throat> the trunk is, is another story. The trunk 
the best way I can describe it has holes in it uh, sporadically, you know, not a lot, but maybe, you know, eight or ten small holes anywhere from, you know, a half inch up to about an inch, and they they look like they've been there for a long time. They're not new holes. Yeah. How deep are they in the trunk? Uh, I just estimate... Uh, most of them to be a half inch to an inch. That's interesting. I mean, uh, live oaks in particular, they were the ones that you made the the warships out of. That was old iron sides was made out of live oak timbers because that oak bark or oak uh, timber, oak wood is so dense and so resistant to damage that they could make ships that would cannonballs would bounce off of them. So, what would make a hole in a live oak trunk? Huh. So, but the tree itself looks healthy. looks good, right, Art? It does. It does. And I have, uh, you know, I've been all over the Internet, you know, looking and reading, and, and I've found, you know, a lot of problems, uh, potential problems with live oak trees, but I've found nothing that, that looks like this. Yeah. And since they're old, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to say it's probably nothing to worry about. What made them? Perhaps when it was younger, a pileated woodpecker. Pileated woodpeckers are big guys, and they can find bugs underneath the bark of trees and will bang on the tree for a while and make a hole. And it's possible, I guess, it was a pileated woodpecker. Uh, could have been something dumb, like somebody shot their gun into the trunk of the tree. Who knows? But as yep. long as the top of the tree looks pretty green, Art, I'm going to give it a pretty clean bill of health and say until you see something that really is affecting the leaf uh, canopy, it's probably okay. That sounds good. That's what I was hoping to hear you say. All right. Diagnosis okay. We'll live for another day. All right. Thank you, Walter. <laughs> All right, Art. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 is the number. You got to you gotta have it. Barbara's in Conyers and joins us this morning. Hey, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Reeves, Mr. Genius. Right, get out of here, Barbara. What do you want? What I, do you my, want? My, I just want to know what to do with my beautiful lawn. I had a great, beautiful green lawn. Yeah. And the, um, the service guys that came, you know, every six weeks and serviced my lawn, I think they make a terrible mess of my lawn. It's not green anymore. It's, it's like beige. No, Bermuda needs to be green right now. I know. Huh. My lawn was the talk of this of, of the area. Yeah. Everybody wants to know what why my lawn is that green, and all of a sudden it's turned beige in a big big area in the in the front of my yard. I tell you what I would do, and that is call the lawn service and ask to speak to the manager and say I need a face to face walk around with you on my lawn and take him across the street to the neighbor who has the pretty green lawn, this Bermuda grass, and say look there. Why does mine not look like that? What is the problem? And if this person does not give you an adequate answer, then there are lots of lawn companies that are very skilled out there that will be happy to take over and make it green again. It's, um, I was wondering if there's nothing I could put a, you know, to put on there to see if it would um, come back without well, bothering. Maybe, with, but with much, much depends on what they have already done. And I hate to say fertilize or something like that if they just fertilized two weeks ago but put the wrong fertilizer or too much fertilizer or who knows what was on there so i'm much more inclined to say talk to the manager first and judge their answer as to whether it's possibility of working to get it back into a green situation that you want or who just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing 
and in that case, change services. But you can easily see Bermuda lawns right now are green, and yours should be green. And if it's not green, somebody is not doing what they should be. Absolutely. I know that because they, the, I asked another company to look at it, and they told me it's a chemical burn. So I... Oh, that's what I thought a little bit. It could be a possibility if you put way too much lawn and weed and feed on there at one time. That will cause Bermuda to sort of yellow up and look brown. Sure. But you oh. can't prove It's hard to prove that unless they confess, oh, yeah, we put double what we should have. Again, talk to the manager. Get the manager to tell you what the plan is to get it back to green. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Reeves. Thank right. you very much. Hey, Barbara. Great to talk to you. Thanks for calling. We've got, yeah, we got Mike, uh, Kelvin in here. Kelvin, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. Hello, sir. Good morning. Good morning. What you got? Yeah, well, I spoke to you earlier in the spring about my peaches and pear. All right. Uh, plum, rather. Peaches and plum that I had lost last year to some... I don't remember what you said it was. Anyway, there was this clear jelly oozing from them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you told me that I should use an orchard spray. Yes. Well, I've been doing that religiously ever since. And uh, as of last week, I saw evidence of that jelly oozing from the fruits once more. Am I, am I doing it wrong? <laughs> do, I, do I change what I'm doing? Mm. I don't know. I will give you an opinion, Kelvin, and you can take it or leave it. Okay. <laughs> <All right? laughs> My opinion is is that many of the orchard sprays that are available now do not have the most effective insecticides in them that you could have. Okay. And then my opinion is that the companies who make these current home orchard sprays are trying to, as we say, cover their rear ends because insecticides these days have changed enough that there's a little bit of worry about labeling and whether it's been tested for use on, on fruit trees and things like that. And so they tend to put in the least um, toxic of insecticides to humans, but that also means it's the least toxic of insecticides to insects, too. And the oozy stuff that you have in the plums and peaches is called plum curculio, which usually is a weevil that causes that. They poke their holes in the skin, the stuff oozes out through the, through the skin. And the insecticides that I see used in the fruit and home and orchard sprays just don't seem to be ones that are likely to hurt Kukulio like I would like the Kukulio to be hurt. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> here is, here is an, a possibility for you. Do a little research. I'm not going to – I mean, I'm sort of in cover my bottom mode too here, Kelvin, so I don't want to be telling you what to do. <laughs> but do a little research online and just type the words fruit tree insecticide. And if it says things like clove oil or um, what are some other things that I've seen recently? Clove oil is one. All these natural oil-type things, they mm -hmm. don't really hurt curculio. They simply don't. If you can find an insecticide that says this is a pyrethroid insecticide, that hurts the chem that hurts the curculio. You said curculio? Pyrethroid, it'll be one, it'll be uh, permethrin probably, or maybe bathrenthrin, I'm not sure. But it's the kind of thing you're going to have to look it up and read the label and make sure it says can be used on fruit trees for control of weevils and curculio. That's your homework to do, Melvin. Kelvin, excuse me, Kelvin. No problem. 
But that's that again is my opinion that the home orchard sprays these days simply don't have the strongest and the best uh, insecticides to control this particularly hard to control insects like Kukulio, and that's why you're not having the greatest of success. Okay, that's right. okay. Uh, I, I'm going to do that, but let me ask you: Will I lose the whole crop? I wouldn't think so. I mean, many times the, the ooze makes a little brown, rotten area on the fruit, and it goes ahead and ripens up, and you can eat it, just cut out the bad part. It's not going to be perfect like you'd see in a grocery store, but frankly, you know, perfect doesn't have to be everything with no spots on it. We need to, as gardeners, realize that there are a lot of things that can be eaten if you just, as my mother would say, cut out the bad spot and eat the rest. Don't waste that food. And that's exactly the motto you should have, Kelvin. Thanks for calling at 645 at News Talk WSB. A reminder that there are people dumber than us. We have another segment this morning of people dumber than us. And sad to say, it involves the 4-H Club. Unbelievable. The 4-H Club. A guy over in, let's see, what county was this poor fellow in? In uh, southeast Missouri. And a guy was volunteering. This is a grown-up. He was volunteering at a 4-H club event, and they were building birdhouses. And one of the little nails that was trying to be put into the birdhouse roof to hold the whole thing together just wouldn't go in, and he couldn't find a hammer. And so he took out of his pocket his gun. Yes, he had a permit to hold the gun. It was legal to have a gun. What's not legal is to use the butt of the gun as a hammer which he grabbed the barrel and just bang, bang, bang the nail into his 4-H club son's birdhouse. And then all of a sudden, one of the adult leaders looked at him and started screaming, don't use the gun as a hammer. And the guy, oh, 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 yeah. And he took the gun apart and took the cartridge out of the chamber on his gun, took the clip out as well, and then turned around and continued to use the gun as a hammer. <laughs> Which is one of those things that the adult leader just pulls his hair out about. No, we do not use guns as hammers. We do not do it at 4-H club events, even though you have a legal permit to carry the gun. And for goodness sakes, um, be careful. Be aware of this. All you gun owners out there, know what your gun is for. I know you do. I know you're careful. Don't use it as a hammer. Bad news. Even at a 4-H club event of me being a fine 4-H'er head, heart, hands, and health, and all that kind of stuff. Don't be dumb. We appreciate it. It's 647. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty much a beautiful day for anything that photosynthesizes its food and for people who take care of those plants. It's been plenty of sunshine all day long, with wind gusts probably reaching in the low 80s this afternoon. Overnight, it gets a little chilly. Overnight lows in the upper 40s. Your full and accurate, report, dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5. Did I say that right? 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My friend David out in Tucker, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning. Getting ready for uh, Tucker Days. Woo! I mean, three Tucker today. Tucker Days is an awesome celebration. I would recommend it to anybody on the eastern side of Atlanta. If you want to go to Tucker and see a community celebrate itself, Tucker Days is fun to go to. Indeed. Had a question today about 
dwarf Russian sage. Yeah. Does this die back, and is it also always supposed to have kind of a uh, a frond or or fan like appearance? You know, at the beginning of the show this morning, David, I said I have killed more plants than you have, <laughs> and generally speaking, figured out why. And I planted Russian sage two years ago, and this year. It looked okay last year, and this year I see one little stem coming up out of the ground, and I think, man, I didn't do right by the by the sage. And I think what happened to me is when I planted it, I remember it was sort of a hurry-up day, get it done before the rain comes, and I did not loosen the soil, and more particularly, I did not put some of that um, expanded slate into the soil to make it drain fast, which is what Russian sage likes. In fact, all salvias. Russian sage is not a salvia, but nonetheless, um, they all like really, really fast-draining soil, and I didn't do that, and that's why mine declined, possibly yours too. Does that mean that uh, whenever you're planting that sage or salvia in this environment, do you need to mix in uh, sand, among um, other things? I am more uh, sand if it's really, really gritty. And I'll be, I mean, I'll give you some brand names if you want them. If you go to one of the big box uh, home improvement stores, look in the back where they have lumber and everything. Not lumber, but um, uh, where they have the pavers and all the bricks and things. And there's stuff called paver leveling sand. It is real, real gritty. And mm -hmm. it is great for putting in soil to make it drain faster. And the other product is called Soil Perfector. Pike sells soil perfector. It is expanded slate. Some of the smaller um, landscape companies sell a product called Permatil, same thing. And Permatil expanded slate, soil perfector expanded slate, or the really, really gritty sand, not play sand, but really, really gritty sand will make your soil drain really fast and make every sage planted in it really happy. Oh, great. I didn't know that about salvia. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's, they're a dry, dry weather sort of plant. They like to be keep the roots dry most of the summertime, watering occasionally, but still they prefer to be drained off and not in clay all the time. All right. Thank you, sir. David, great to talk to you. See you soon. Bye. Tucker Day, Tucker Day, Tucker Day. And hopefully the uh, concrete jungle people will be there in Tucker Days. They're the people who plant all the fruit trees around Tucker in the uh, various parks and senior citizens' homes and places and schoolyards and things like that. I really admire the work that Concrete Jungle does over in Tucker, Georgia. It's 6.57 and a half, and we will be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. Tomorrow do unpack my case Honey, disconnect the phone I'm back in the USSR You don't know how lucky you are, boy Back in the U.S., back in the U.S., back in the USSR